For years, Columbus leaders have wondered out loud how to attract talented young people to our community and how to keep the good ones, the good homegrown ones here. We have two young women who are going to provide fascinating insight into this age-old question. You speak, we listen. Conversations connecting people. This is the Chuck Williams Show. Welcome to the Chuck Williams Show, and I'm Chuck Williams. Brilliant name, wasn't it? We have two women with us tonight, and and let them introduce themselves in some way, in some form. But it's Carmen Williams Piggins, who is my daughter. Um, So I will go ahead and put that out, full disclosure. And the other is Becca Sachak, who I would easily take as a daughter if she was was up for adoption. So, (laughs) So the two of them are not... Friends, they don't know each other very well. They do know each other. But they're here to talk about a specific topic, and we'll get into that in just a minute. But go ahead and start with you, Becca. Tell us a little bit about who you are. Sure. So um, thank you for having me here tonight. Uh, I'm Becca Zajac. I am the executive director of the Dragonfly Trail Network, which is the off-road, greenway, multi-use trail system uh, in Columbus. So I've been in Columbus for going on six years, just over five right now. Um, And I'm from Michigan, went to school in Ohio, um, started my career in Houston. And then I came to Columbus in 2015. And um, I came here for a job with Uptown Columbus. uh, And I remember during the interview thinking that I was going to be here for a year. Um, you know, I came from this big city, Houston, um, with lots of amenities and restaurants and retail. And um, I, um, fell in love with the place. I don't, you know, I don't know how to describe it better than that. Um, Columbus has become my home. uh, And um, it's a really special place for me. So, you know, been here for five years, who knows how much longer I'll be here. We just bought a house. So, um, you know, it's definitely going to be here for a few more years. And Carmen? Um, Hi, I'm Carmen Piggins. I'm Chuck's daughter. I lived in Columbus my entire, well, Columbus and Phoenix City my entire life. Um, went through the public school system, through Columbus High School, and then went to Georgia State University for college and got a degree in uh, public policy and ended up joining Teach for America after college and was placed in Detroit and moved there with my Honda and (laughs) no real plan, didn't know where I was going to live, never been to Detroit, uh, didn't know how cold it got up there. And, um, yeah, so I moved up there at 22, and Dad came about two months later with the (laughs) U-Haul, and then we uh, planned to be there for two years for my contract and then kind of see what to do after that, and I fell in love with Detroit and my students, and then um, eventually fell in love with a boy, and (laughs) then stayed, and it's been eight years in in Detroit, and I, I love it there. I miss home, but, you know planted roots somewhere else too. And that's kind of the, if you picked up on it, Becca is from Mm -hmm. suburban Detroit. She grew up 15 miles from downtown and is now here. Carmen is from here and now lives, what, 10 minutes from downtown? 10 minutes from her hometown. (laughs) So in some ways y'all have traded places. And I guess we'll start this discussion um, with you, Becca. You, You just touched on, I think, the core of it. You came here when Richard Bishop hired you at Uptown Columbus Inc. And you basically, I'm sure you didn't tell Richard when you got hired that you were going to be here a year, tops. But why? What made it 
a year into it say, well, I'm going to be here a little longer. And now. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I was, uh, I, I mentioned we got a new house and so we've been unpacking boxes from the last five years that have been in storage. And I came across this, um, article, actually the ledger did, it was five questions with me when I first got there the first week and, or I had been there for a week and I described how I described Columbus and why I fell in love with it, you know, a week or two after I had been there is the same reason that I still love it today. So I said something like, um, the community has embraced me in a way that I've never felt in my entire life. Um, it is the people that I work for, it's um, friends, it's people that I didn't even know on the streets have become um, like family to me in a place. In Columbus, I didn't know anybody at all when I moved here. And I felt this really deep connection. And Richard was a huge part of that. So Richard Bishop just took me in like a daughter, similar to what you're saying. I've been really fortunate to have a lot of people who professionally and personally have just embraced me um, and made me feel like family. And then the more I've been in Columbus, the more people I've met that just have made this incredible network for me that feels like a family, an extended family. And I love them and they love me as much as my own family. And I, I think that's really important. But the other component to that is professionally, um, I have been able to develop and have opportunities and experiences that I would not in other cities. And, um, you know, I think that um, being so young in my career and having these opportunities to do things that would have taken me five or 10 years had I stayed in Detroit or Houston or Columbus, Ohio, um, I just wouldn't get these same opportunities at such a young age. And so that's what keeps me in Columbus. I mean, I feel so much a part of this community. And I feel like the work I'm doing, whether it's professionally or with the boards I'm a part of, or just in my personal life, I feel like we are changing Columbus for the better. And like, that's really cool to be a part of. I mean, we're, you know, I, I think we're sort of similar in age, something, you know, early thirties. Yeah. And um, to have the opportunity to do that is something I don't know anybody else in my life that has had that opportunity. My parents, my cousins, my friends and family, they're all doing amazing work and have done amazing work. But at this young age, to be a part of community planning and making a difference and then seeing your community, Columbus has you know become my community, and um, seeing how that changes people and you're making people's lives better, I mean, that's really, really cool. And it's a fun to be a part of. And I don't know that I could get that in another city. And you clearly have found that. And I mean, Carmen, you ran the Winton Corridor through your high school years. I mean, you worked at you worked for Jim Morpeth at Country's Midtown. You you went to Columbus High School. You went to St. Thomas Church. You know, we lived in Overlook at the time. So you kind of ran that whole Winton Corridor. What was it that when you got able to go to school and you could have gone to Columbus State or you could have gone to some other places, what was it that made you want to go see something else? I think Columbus has and will always be home. Um, I think it's even just coming back, like today I was driving down the street and ran into two people from my church and talked to them for 45 minutes. And so I felt, or like it happens in the grocery store when you're Chuck Williams' daughter, you you know a lot of people. Yeah, and Kathy Williams and my mom, like they're all very involved and this has been our home for a very long time. So I think for me it was also just being so immersed it's like wanting to see more and wanting probably similar to how you felt about like college you want to kind of I was like I want to see I want to go to a bigger city I want to kind of experience that and I lived in 
downtown. I mean, I was half a mile from Grady, like downtown Atlanta. And I just absolutely fell in love with like sirens and noise and like the sit in. And I think for me, it was kind of similar of, I just found, um, I just found my place. I found a nonprofit that I worked with a lot in college. Um, What kind of work? It was so primarily with um, a lot of the homeless population Mm -hmm. around downtown. And so especially with how Georgia State was set up, it wasn't. um, And the nonprofit was like a walking distance from my dorm room. So it was not uncommon for me to run into like our clients, like walking to class and stuff. So I'd be like walking to class and they'd be like, Carvin, what's up? (laughs) Um, So I think it just, I, I definitely felt like I, and I don't think it was experiences I couldn't get in Columbus, but I think because of how just like, like you said, I kind of had these parts of my life that were just very, like I, I kind of stayed in the same like two mile radius in Columbus most of the time anyways. Um, and, and a lot of the development that's here now, like you were saying, was not here mm-hmm. 10 plus years ago. Um, and so I think for me, I just felt like the, the things I started to feel myself really getting called towards weren't necessarily experiences that even if they did exist in Columbus, I don't think I, f- I felt like they were there for me right then. Um, and then I just went to Detroit and it, it like absolutely just got my heart. As soon as I got there, I was like, okay, this is, you connected with the place yeah. and the people and yeah. you just like, it, yeah, you got called. It's that's for an sure. interesting way to say it. I love and, that. And I had no plan when I went to Detroit, it, that was supposed to be a two year stay. Mm-hmm. That was, that was the plan. And <laughs> And dad will always joke that the day he met my now husband, he was like, oh, yeah, we're, we're done. We're like, we're, she's not coming back right now. Um, and and he, he has deep roots in Michigan. So Yeah, he's from so, the west side of the state. So, you know, and when you look at this, some of the things that you have found really interesting in Columbus, do you miss Detroit? Do you mm. mi- What do you miss about Detroit and Michigan. Yeah, I, I mean, family, of course. Um, and, and to your point, uh, when I go, I make a point to go home multiple times a year, and there is that feeling mm-hmm. inside of you that you can't explain that you know, I'm, you're from Ufala, right? Yeah. So when you go home, you know, you get that buzz, that feeling, that joy, and it's unexplainable. And, and yeah, I get that every time I go back to Detroit. And my parents are there, and um, Miles, my partner, you know, we love Detroit and we would absolutely consider moving there at some point if, if that was in, if that was the next move we needed to make. Um, it's Detroit has changed. I love Detroit from when I grew up and it's changed to become an even better and and different city. Um, there are still really cool cultural pockets in Detroit that make it really special. Um, it's certainly had incredible economic development, right? Like it's, it's really, we were talking before the show about it almost sometimes mirrors Chicago and it's getting really fancy and like, that's, that's cool. But like the authentic, um, Eastern market where you have all these vendors come and, um, like that aspect of Detroit is what I miss walking the streets to go to a Red Wings game and like meeting people on the streets and interacting. I mean, um, Detroit, like any any city has its own vibe and there's just, there's really interesting people doing amazing work there. Um, so yeah, I mean, Detroit's a great city to be a part of right now. Um, and I love, I love when Carmen comes back and I hear her stories through you. Um, it's special. But when you moved to Detroit, Detroit was just coming out of bankruptcy. There were a lot of issues 
you know, nine years ago when Kathy and I dropped you off there. Yeah. And, you know, and you have seen those issues change and you've seen the city grow in different ways, right? I think it's kind of what Becca was saying. I think it's really interesting in Detroit. Uh, yes, you have, like, the downtown area with, like, fancy stores and storefronts. Um, but I also think the, the cool thing, and it kind of mirrors Atlanta in a way, mm-hmm. like a little, like I would say Atlanta maybe 10 years ago. The football more so teams than, are very similar. <laughs> heartbreaking. It's not going to get Golly. any better living in Detroit. Um, but, yeah, it. I think it. it's really interesting just to see, like even our neighborhood, we live on, on kind of the very corner out, like what skirt of the city. So it almost feels like we have a really neighborhood. I mean, you've, you've been to my house. We have a very like neighborhood vibe. We have a park in the center of our neighborhood that we walk our dog to regularly. And, um, and I think it's just interesting to see, like, even with like, yes, this like shiny new downtown economic development, what like communities, even just like my school community, like kind of in that area on the east side, and then like my home, like in where our home and our neighborhood is, um, just to see what those communities, like how they take responsibility for kind of areas that maybe have seen less development. Yes. Economic, like from big corporations and how mm-hmm. the people like our our neighborhood, I remember <laughs> dad got a call when this happened. Um, it was my second year and there was a flood in Detroit and I was trying to get home from work, and the GPS went out. I didn't know where I was, and I called my dad, and I was like, Dad, I'm taking a turn, and every turn I go down, there's, like, too much water, and I can't tell if I can get through it or not. Like, I don't want to bottom out my car. And he was like, just go find a bar somewhere and sit out. I was like, I don't know if that's Excellent the best. Excellent advice. <laughs> I love it. My dad would have said the same thing. I don't remember that. I probably wouldn't give the same advice today. But <laughs> but we, but we I actually... I'm not the world's best parent, people. <laughs> but I realized it later that... But the neighborhood I, I drove through and the people in that neighborhood had like buckets and, they're, and they were like, like trying to get the water out. It was the neighborhood that we live in now. And I remember it being like so like it was a beautiful neighborhood. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, like I love this place. It seems like the people genuinely like care. And now we live there and we see it all the time of like there's people who like go along the strip of highway and they start cleaning up trash like on their own. So mm-hmm. I think it's just it's cool to see. Similar to Columbus, that there's like niche markets of people or niche groups of people who really like care about their part of Detroit because Detroit is so large. Yeah. Well, one of the things I'm hearing both of y'all say in your own way is quality of life. Mm-hmm. Define quality of life. Start with you, Becca. Yeah. You know, um, I, I feel like I'm uh, an advertisement sometimes for Columbus, but really, I mean, where, where else can you go where you have... For my, for my lifestyle, so I'm, I'm pretty active. I like to be outside. Um, I like to eat food. I like to drink beer. I like to do all those things. You run. You, I, I run. You I bike. Yep, yep. I love yoga. So I just don't know where else um, I could go where, one, I have an incredible opportunity from a professional standpoint. Um, I have the amenities that I love that are low t- low cost. So having the river walk, that's 30 miles plus to run, bike, um, even you could swim in the Chattahoochee River with a PFD. Uh, you know, having, and I love um, mom and pop restaurant and retail. So, like, Broadway is sufficient for me. Like, I love it. I can find six different restaurants to go to. I can go to different um, places to have a cocktail or a bar. And I, like, it fits my quality of life. Like, I can't think of a lot 
more I could ask out of a place. And then on top of that, like, let's just be realistic. The cost of living in Columbus is extremely low and it's very reasonable um, for in Atlanta. In Atlanta, yeah. I mean, I, I can tell you, I would not be able to afford a house to buy a house in Atlanta where I can do that in Columbus. Um, I wouldn't be able to do the things, you know, have the disposable income that I may have if I was in a big city. Just the cost of living is so much higher. Um, and, and I love that about Columbus. And then the other thing is, like, I feel that people who choose to stay in Columbus, whether they were born and raised here, have this desire to make the place better. And I think the people who come out of town and and move here and decide to stay here, because not everybody does. I'm part of Young Professionals. We see that there Which is, is a chamber group, right? It's a chamber group, yep. And we see we have had some incredibly talented people come for a year, two, three, four, five, and then maybe go to another opportunity in a bigger city. But also there's a core group of probably 20 of us that we are not leaving. Like we are going to do everything we can to make this place better, not only for our generation, but you know, for the generation behind us and encourage people to come here and come back. And I'm willing to bet that out of that core group of 20, you will have a future mayor, city councilor, and some school board members. You'll have future political leaders coming Mm -hmm. out of that group. Would you agree with that? I would agree because we're invested. We, you know, we, (laughs) if you made it this far, you know, (laughs) you, you're invested. You want to stay here and, and make it better for everybody. And, and again, like being young and seeing those changes happening only reinforces it. Define quality of life, Carmen. So I think I'm a person that I've always, like in high school and then in college and then now in my job, like I've always poured myself into like my activities or, or my work um, and tried to kind of, that's always been like my passion. Um, and I think for me, when I moved to Detroit, it was really important for me to live where I worked. And I was very intent on always living in the city. And I think similarly, um, I, it's very cold in Michigan. So that, that, that's my, I bought a really nice coat when I first moved there. That was like my, so Georgia coats didn't work. No, I, I walked it, it got sub 50. So it was like 45. And I walked into Moose Jaw downtown and I said, Mm. give me your nicest coat. And I definitely got scammed, but I was just about to say you went to the most expensive (laughs) outdoor gear I was 22 with a job and I was cold. (laughs) Give me that $200 coat. Oh yeah. It was not my wisest investment. Uh, still have the coat. That was good coat. But yeah, I think for me, I've found just a really good, someone like a really good community of, of friends and people who um, have like similar values as I do. And I found a school community that's really invested in me as a teacher. Um, and I've been able to really like pour back in. And I mean, now it's like I have like parents who I've taught multiple of their kids and like just that, like being able to see a, like a return on your, like having kids yep. come back that are in middle school. And like, you're like, I thought you when you were this big and now you're like, now you're go, about to go to high school. And so I think just being able to actually like grow up with, with your kids and like talk to parents and be like, oh yeah, I live in this neighborhood and they live in that neighborhood and have that like relationship with them. And I think just similarly, like there's really great Metro parks mm-hmm. in and around Detroit, which yep. I've definitely during COVID have started exploring way more. Um, and so, and you cannot beat a Michigan summer. I, it's oh, so that, I mean, that has been, I think I've, I've found similar, like in my group of people, I found activities that I've loved. Um, 
my so, in-laws so live on the west side of the state, so we love to go see them in the summers. <laughs> and they live in a touristy area, Saugatuck, yeah, right? Yeah, they live in a beach town, so it's Oh, they live amazing. in Saugatuck? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What we also dream. love, we, they're amazing. Oval Beach. So, yes, it's great. <laughs> so one of the things I'm hearing both of y'all say is work is important, that jobs are fulfilling. And, you know, and I've heard the people who talk about keeping and retaining talented young people. And I'd put both of y'all as talented young people. And we have talent, a lot of talented young people in this town, but that the jobs are the thing that's going to either drive them away or bring them in. I mean, and do you, do both of y'all see it? Do you see it that way back up? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think you can love a place and I will say this for Columbus. If, if I didn't have a position that fit me and that, encouraged that I was passionate about and I wanted to go to every single day and I felt like I was making a difference like if there was not an option I would have to look elsewhere no matter how much I love Columbus and that's just like that's the reality the bills have to get paid um you have to have a job and I ref and I personally um you know my parents uh blue collar from Michigan um taught me like how to ha how to make sure whatever job you have you're passionate about because they they didn't like they had jobs where they had to pay the bills, put money on the, like make sure the bills were paid, make sure food was on the table. And they like really instilled in me, like go to, I was the first person in my family to graduate from college. And they said, you need to, you need to go to college. You need to make sure that whatever you do in your life, that you're passionate about it and that you love it. And so my parents worked their tails off so that I could have the education I have and that I would have the opportunities that I have had and will continue to have. And so in honor to them, it's like, I refuse to take a job where I'm not passionate about it. And if that wasn't in Columbus, I would absolutely have to look elsewhere. But lucky for me, there are, I have a great job that I love and I'm passionate about. <laughs> And from work, work is important to you, obviously, and you yeah. were saying that. I think I, one thing I've, like, I've I've t said this before, like, within my work environment, I never planned, thought I was going to be a teacher. I didn't really plan on education. It kind of happened to me, but when it did, I, I think for me, I've seen teaching almost more as like an advocacy standpoint of mm -hmm. like, I find it like very important to like advocate for my students, to like provide them with opportunities and make sure I'm doing everything I can on my end. So I think I've become very, very in, like invested and my, like if I were to leave Detroit, I don't know that I would stay a teacher because I care about like my students in Detroit yeah. getting every opportunity possible. Um, and yeah, and I think I've, just the opportunities I've been provided, I was able through the school I'm at, I was able to get my master's degree almost fully paid for, which was, I mean, a huge blessing, especially with the Hope Scholarship and everything like that, that really helped me kind of get through most of my education. But yeah. Uh, and I, it's, I just love he, listening to you talk about your students, like makes me think how lucky they are to have you as well. I mean, you know, yeah. There is something special about having a, a teacher and you're probably a mentor and a friend and wear many hats to them, but, you know, having a different perspective, um, growing up and living in the South and bringing that to the North, like that's special. Like, you know, you don't always get those opportunities as kids. Sometimes your teachers are just from your same area and I'm sure you bring a lot of flair to the classroom. Oh, I got in trouble for teaching phonics a few times because... 
Apparently the southern draw comes out when I teach. And they were like, Carmen, all your kids song country. When they saw, say the letter A, I was like, I'm really sorry. I'll work on that. Let me. But that, I mean, but, you know, accent is, you've definitely got the Midwestern accent. Mm -hmm. I say ope now. I'm turning into, I go, ope. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that was like a northern thing. (laughs) The hardest one for me. um, uh, Fix into? Fix. What? Like, that doesn't even make sense. Um, Or I had a. I'm fixing to thank Dylan for doing a great job. Yes. (laughs) Or um, you guys say, how are you weird? I can't remember. How are you? No, it's like you you miss a whole word. Like, how is you or something? I don't know. (laughs) I remember that. You're hanging around in different parts of Columbus than me, girl. <laughs> um, you, one of the other things that y'all, both of y'all, seem to be experiencing now um, is home ownership. Is is that? I mean, I guess when you get thirty, do you have to buy a house? I mean, is that the rule now? I think you buy it for your dog, right? That's millennials. Totally. I bought, I bought that. We bought the house for the dog. That was, I don't want the house. The dog wants the house. (laughs) Literally, like, our, like, tagline when we bought it was, like, big, big yard little house. Like, it's it's all for the dogs. It was to get them out of the apartment and have green space. We, yeah, we waited to get a dog until we had the house. But uh, it is the dog's house. It is not. We have a 120-pound Rottweiler Mastiff named Big Bertha. And uh, it is her world, and we're all just living in it. Yes. Um, But, no, I mean, I think for us... Uh, and it was like one thing my husband Mike and I had talked about when we were kind of, um, cause he, he bought before we were married, but mm-hmm. we were dating. So I helped him. I gave some insight. Um, but yeah, I was really, I, I have been adamant about staying in the city. That was like very important to me. Um, making sure like tax dollars and all of that went in to back into the city. And then also just being really like careful and cognizant of what we were doing as like younger transplant mm-hmm. buyers and making sure we were not um like displacing or or, or doing Gen- anything yeah. yeah like like contributing so we we ended up in a very like established neighborhood with pretty I mean most of our neighbors have been there for decades and and we I mean we love it we um like I said we're we're about 10 15 minutes from downtown what do you miss the most about Columbus, Carmen? Barbecue. Miss the barbecue. I miss, I think I too just miss like, similar to what Becca was saying is like, the community here is something really special. Um, and I think just the way everything like, cause you kind of can just have your own little world in like each part. Like if you're, mm-hmm. cause it's kind of like, you're kind of like a downtown person or a midtown person. Mm-hmm. And you kind of got like a place that you stick to. I feel like most of the time, um, and so I think I just miss like everything being like five minutes away. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I feel like in Detroit, everything's like 15 minutes away and I'm always like, Oh, I gotta get like, go over here. Um, but yeah, I do miss like, just, I think like that's, that such like people that have known you since you were, you know, the, ci- the city's like connected physically and yeah. the connections to people. Yeah, so I think, but I mean, I feel like I get that. Like, when I come home, I was like, this trip, too, because this was the first time I've been able to come home in nine months yeah. since my sister's wedding. Because of COVID. Because of COVID, and that was that was tough for me, like, missing the holidays. It's the first time I've ever not been home for at least mm-hmm. Thanksgiving or Christmas. Um, and so I think that was really tough. But, yeah, I think even this trip, I was like, I'm, I'm just focused. I'm, like, only seeing family. I'm not going to, and I've already, like... <laughs> 
just running into people. I'm like 45 minutes talking here, 45 minutes talking there. So I think just like that, like nothing. But, you know, of the four, we have four, Kathy and I have four children. And of the four, you're the only one that's not here. The other yeah. three, the other three are here. So the family dinner texts hurt. When you get the text and they're all like, oh yeah, we're having family dinner. And I'm like, cool. I'm here by myself <laughs> with my dog. <laughs> Hopefully my, my yeah, <laughs> just chilling. <laughs> do, do you miss that part too? Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you, when you ask that, that's like um, the most special moments. Even when we go back to Michigan, it's like sitting outside in my parents' backyard, drinking a beer, my dad's grilling, like catching up on yeah. life. Like that stuff, it's just... There's nothing else like it. And, you know, one of the great things about where my parents live is my aunt's down the street. My cousin used to live down the street. And people would just, like, pop into our house. Mm -hmm. Um, This is pre-COVID. But, like, people would pop into our house. And then all of a sudden you'd have, like, a little bit of your family in the backyard, you know, four or five people. And those conversations and that camaraderie, I mean, it's just there's nothing. Like, that's the hardest part. Family dinners, missing my parents cooking for me. If you could change one thing about Columbus – what would you change, and then what would you change, Carmen? I mean, because you're you're in the middle of it now. You're part of a group that's helping kind of – you're one of the group that's really is starting to shape what the future is going to look like. And I think Mayor Skip Henderson has watched y'all's group and listens to y'all's group, and I know a some number of the counselors do. If you could change one thing about Columbus to make it better, what would you do back up? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think just off the cuff, um, I would say I wish – people in the community that had feelings about things would recognize how much power they have to change things. Like our government um, and our counselors are incredibly receptive. And sometimes there's just a process when you work with government and it's, there's jumping through hoops and it takes a long time and it's hard, but if you're, and it's gotten harder during COVID. Certainly. Um, but everything has, yeah, <laughs> but it, it doesn't mean it's not worth doing. And I think, like, that's the biggest thing for me. I get exhausted by people saying, like, oh, I don't like my side. My neighborhood doesn't have sidewalks. Or I don't, you know, this light's always out. Or you want an open container law downtown. Do it. Like, like a citizen can take that initiative up and move it through the process. And I think, like, I want to figure out how to empower people to know that they can change their community, even if it's something really small, like getting your garbage picked up in your local park. But, like, you have the ability to do that and, and use your time instead of complaining about it on Facebook or, you know, com- just complaining about it in general. Like, you can change things in your community. All of us can. And once you do that a few times, you're like, oh, my gosh. I can do the small project and make it bigger and bigger. And so I just want people to know, like, our city is really receptive to, um, you know, changing if you work out, if you work for it and you go about it in a decent way. Even when the change in the recommendations come from somebody who could be perceived as an outsider. Absolutely. And like, just because you fail once, don't stop. I mean, I know that's like so generic, but like, you know, if you want something to change in this community and it's better for the community, do it like just stay with it It, you'll get there and you might have to change it and your idea might change or project might change but like stick with it and everybody has the ability to do that you don't have to have a certain job or work for somebody like you can do it as a citizen what would you change about columbus you come back a couple three times a year i mean i think a lot has changed since i've left just in i think and i think your perspective is also very different when you're 18 versus when you're you know 30 um I think one thing is 
as someone who did leave at 18, um, is I think, like, finding this way or this, like, balance of, like, encouraging people to go to go out, but then incentivizing them to come back. Mm. Like, giving them – because, like, CSU is a great school, but it's not a school for everyone. And I think, like, having – I think the growth I experienced – But it's, it used to be – the 13th grade or Cody yeah. Road High. It's not that. Oh, I mean, no. CSU, I mean, there's students the downtown, from China that yeah. are walking past my. I, I think one thing I, just just from my personal experiences and kind of the schools that I, I went to through, um, the things I was able to experience at Georgia State, I was not able to experience up until age 18. That's not saying I couldn't have, have experienced some of those similar things, but there was just such a, it was it was so diverse and it was such a like just a, just a different experience for me. It was something I needed and I think allow a, encouraging people to go get those experiences and like leave for a few years, like go to college. Like if if they don't feel that Columbus State is the best fit for them right now, even though it is an amazing school and has a lot to offer. But I think finding a way to incentivize like those twenty two to twenty five year olds. To like come and I feel like you guys are you, doing that. What do you mean? There, there has to be jobs. So jobs. I mean, even even if you were a Columbus State grad, there are very few jobs for people who are twenty to twenty five years old in Columbus. And That's they're kind, of, they're kind of at the same like big three companies. It's kind of like Tesis Affleck. And people don't, like, I think a lot of people our age are looking for something that's smaller, more nimble. They feel like they're advocating for something. They feel like they're making a difference. And some of that's hard in a really corporate setting. But I think Carmen and there's so many other people like you that have gone out, gotten these real-world experiences, and will hopefully at one point come back to Columbus. And we're seeing that happening. There are There's kind of a second generation coming back here um, in that 30 to 40-year-old range and, and, and setting down family roots here. And I think that's perfect. Like, how yeah. do we get more of those people back? And can I add one more thing? Yeah. You know, the if you are in a leadership position in Columbus and you are, if you have somebody working for you that's 22 to 32, listen to them. Give them a chance. Give them a seat at the table. Like, give them the opportunities to learn something. And that's one thing that I'll say Richard Bishop did for me. And and it made me have confidence in what I'm doing. And so if you are one of those people, like, give us a shot. And, you know, it, and it's interesting. You're talking about, I mean, Carmen's talking about incentivizing. I want to get my thoughts real quick on that. But you are in the profession that would translate to a job Teaching, you could land back here in a heartbeat if you wanted to. And I, I yeah, I could, I could, I could do the job I do a lot of places. Um, but I also think it's recognizing like, just that it, it's, it could be the same. It's a, you can be a teacher, like teacher is a teacher, but kind of like where you choose to invest because like people who maybe have like lived in Columbus like their why behind teaching in Columbus could be completely different than my why and it's no less like it's no more or less anything but Mm -hmm. I think it's I think it's one of those things of yeah I think it's like going kind of with what Becca was saying is like yeah giving those people and by incentivizing it's it's jobs it's like having entry-level jobs that are a variety and like and also encouraging, I mean, I think a lot of that's being done now, but, like, the social and the communal aspect and, like, 
Whitewater and the Riverwalk and all those things are like drawing people back. And when I come home, I mean, I there's never not something to do, which is really nice. But you can create your own job, and your partner, Miles Greathouse, is a perfect example mm-hmm. of that. He's one, one of the owners of Multitude and Jarfly and... Um, no, Nick. No, Nick. No, I was leaving yeah. the original. And, I mean, <laughs> you know, they created their own weather system, what I call the beer boys. They went out and made yeah. their own economic system work for them. Yeah, and I think, like, the entrepreneurial um, mindset and and the courage they had to do that was amazing and they'll be the first ones to tell you they didn't they didn't not one of them had worked I think in a restaurant before they opened Nonick but they figured it out and they took that risk but I think one unless we set up a culture where there's more support I mean what they did and the fact that they succeeded is pretty amazing I mean it's I don't know that that could be replicated a hundred times. I think a lot of people, including myself, I put my sh- myself in their shoes. I'd be terrified to take that type of risk. Well, I knew they had hit on something. There was a, what this type of conversation was going on upstairs at the loft probably ten, uh, nine, eight, nine years ago. They had just opened Nonic and, um, and, uh, or Multitude. They had mm-hmm. just opened Multitude, the, their growler story which was they had to change laws to open that store i mean the existing laws didn't allow that to operate and that's going back to like a group of young people or people that want to see change in a community sticking with it and it took a long time but they did it and they've done it over and over and now they're like really good at it Uh, they are and you know but i realized i think it was Garrett Lawrence that was in the was in this discussion. Miles may have been in there, but I, I think it was Garrett, and he started talking about what they were doing. And I realized they were, were on to it because Brad Turner, Brad Turner was in that room, and I was sitting near Brad, and I could tell he was hanging on every word they were saying. And Brad is one of the families that has invested deeply in this community and Brad is a driving force behind a lot of very, a lot of great things that are happening here and his family has been for generations but it was like they were looking at them in a way because in 19 late 1980s people looked at Buddy Nelms like he was crazy when he started to open the loft music venue all of a sudden Miles and Garrett and all these and Robert Battle were coming in here with this, this idea, and it was like they didn't look at them like they were crazy this time. They really took the time to listen to them and to say, "Okay, what are these kids seeing that mm-hmm. we're not seeing?" And I think some of that, you know, to your point, Becca, is happening in Columbus and has for years. Right, and, and it's it's really great to see um, younger people starting their own businesses and being successful and seeing the community support that is, yeah. is really awesome. Um, yeah. But we've also, people who are not ready to make that risk or don't have the resources to make that kind of um, jump into, uh, you know, owning their own small business, there's got to be a support system. And I think, you know, Columbus yeah. 2025 and the chamber are working on, you know, Startup Columbus, like we're, we're getting those resources together for more people, which is great. We just got to keep investing in that stuff and, and create that culture. What is, go ahead, Carmen. Oh, no, I was gonna say, I mean, I think there's so many things that Columbus had, like, has to offer that they have really, like, I feel like are are getting, I don't know if it's like attention they deserve, but I feel like 
they're finally getting like spotlighted or they're getting support like the Springer or the River Center where like now they have the downtown development to I mean, support these amazing two, You got two high as of next week, you'll yeah. have two high end hotels that you could stay at in any city. These two yeah. hotels would work in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. They would work in most of the Florida cities, the AC and the Indigo. AC opens next week. I mean, when you look at these two hotels, they're gonna change the downtown landscape. Yeah, I think like what you were saying too, it's we've got to do a better job though as a city. Like we, okay, you've lived here, I've lived here. We know how great it is. Like that's wonderful. And maybe our friends or family come to visit and they know, but we have got to, from a tourism and economic development standpoint, figure out how to get that message out regionally and probably even farther than regionally because it's not like, you know, I've heard, I'm sure you've heard this. It's like Columbus is like the best kept secret of the South. Like that's a terrible tagline to have for a city that is trying to attract and retain talent, yeah. trying to attack tourism and business. Like we, and I know Columbus 2025. But we is, do amazing is, is not the tagline that works either. I would agree. <laughs> I, I would agree. I mean, it but got it, a lot of traction online. I mean, it, honestly, <laughs> my favorite was the morning that, um, Oh, on Reddit, my um, friend who I went to college with, he like texted me. He's like, please don't tell me this is, um, you know, your city. I was like, that is us. And we do do some things really amazing. We though, definitely do. You know, so. But it can be turned by the anti-crowd too quickly and too harshly. Right. So again, get involved, figure out how to change the things that you don't like. Yeah. Like stop complaining about it. And I think, yeah, I think it's, I think there's been a lot like from, a lot of different standpoints. There's been a lot that Columbus has has changed, and I mean, it is not the same city I left ten years ago. Like it's it has changed so much, and um, I mean, For the better. I all I chose two spring breaks as a teacher to bring my friends down here, and we like did whitewater and and then went to the beach. But we stayed here for three or four days. We spent most of our time here and went to the beach for like a day. And one time we didn't go to the beach, and so. I mean, I think, and I think sometimes even with what you were saying with the marketing is like, hey, if people stayed in Columbus for two or three days before they went down, like, that's not the worst idea. Right. Um, But, I mean, I think Columbus has definitely, like, really started to kind of figure out who, especially downtown, has gotten to figure out kind of what it wants to be. And I feel like a lot of those businesses are, I mean, the restaurants are amazing and and, and we and to that point, we also do need to see though growth in other areas besides yeah. uptown. And it's really special to see what's happening north of uptown, um, and even some pockets of South Columbus. The infrastructure, the infrastructure is getting better, which means hopefully that more businesses will decide yeah. to to open up there. And so I think Second Avenue is going to be the corridor that attracts young people into this market in entry level housing and beyond. I think you're right. I think it's going to be like the cities, uh, um, the neighborhoods Carmen was saying, like you're outside of the downtown core of Uptown, but there's this really cool area um, in Bibb City that people want to live in. And we're yeah. seeing that or happen. North Island. Yeah. We're, and we're seeing that very slowly happen already. You know, I, all of us know a few people that have purchased houses or, or decided to buy property up there because they want to build a house in the future. Yeah. What does, what becomes important to people of your generation in the post-COVID world? has, has I mean, COVID's changed all of us. How's it changed y'all and your friends? 
scared to let anything get down to zero now. <laughs> no, like, if anything is close to getting out in the house, I'm like, okay, let me go, like, stock up as quick as I can. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I think um, the best thing for me, uh, my family, uh, Miles and I, is our lifestyle has, uh, we've prioritized, because COVID forced us to stay inside pretty much with just the two of us, um, you know, we prior to COVID had these really hectic schedules where like every night we were going and doing things. And some of that was pressure. Some of the, that was things you wanted to do, but like we have gotten out on our bikes so much more during COVID and like just prioritize what was important to us. Um, and so I think like not feeling so much anxiety to like have a fully booked schedule, like to have a weekend and like not have a place to go or an event to go to. Like it's been the most refreshing thing for me. Um, and like, I want to continue that. I want to continue doing that. And I think it's taken for me, it's also put into perspective, um, how important your health is mental health. I mean, I cannot, I, I totally, never had firsthand experience with mental health crisis or men, or, or a family that had mental health issues. And for me, it's like totally changed. And then obviously the social, uh, you know, listening to George Floyd's, uh, sorry, listening to the, uh, the trial for, um, the former officer today, you know, I mean, just prioritizing one learning and then prioritizing like how I can help make a more socially just world. Um, social justice has become a catchphrase. It's going to become very, it's becoming incredibly important across the country. But y'all are the generation that are driving a lot of that because y'all are the ones that are, I mean, it's people your age that change the Georgia Senate races. Mm -hmm. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, and that's, that's one, I mean, that is not, I don't think at the time I knew it, but political reasons was kind of a like when I moved into a city that was a little bit more politically racially diverse I I was like oh this is very different than kind of my bubble Mm. that I experienced personally I don't think it was representative of Columbus as a whole but kind of what I was in um for most of my time like in high school and stuff um but yeah I think I think I have like really well, with, with COVID and kind of what I value, I think I'm someone, come by it, honestly, I am a, like, social, I I found out that being busy was my hobby. Like, when when we had to slow down, I looked at my husband, and I was like, I don't have a hobby. Like, I'm just, I just don't sit down. Like, I don't, I'm always, like, out with friends or, like, working or at school or whatever. And I, like, tried embroidering, and I, like, hit, like <laughs> punched my fingers enough times with a needle. I was like, okay, I give up on that. Um, we did, like, a lot of projects around our house, which was really great because we bought an older house in Detroit, so we've had lots of lots of fun with that. Um, but, yeah, I think it was, for me, it was, like, slowing down and, like, similarly, like, getting out more. Um, really, like, I think the hardest part was not being able to come home. Um, mm. Or when I did come home, like, feeling... We had a very eventful, my one trip when I was home for my sister's wedding was, uh, was, was very eventful. But yeah, I think we definitely had, um, I think it was like, like family and friends, but like really like valuing, like, like very, like you really had to choose like who you were going to spend your time with and how you were going to spend your time and when. And, and like managing the anxiety and risk like that. Yeah. I mean, that was like a burden. It is still a burden. Don't get me wrong, but it was 
for times. It was like a really hard burden. I can't yeah. imagine having your sister's wedding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was. That was, a, that was a challenge. It was amazing, but it was the the week leading up to it was was a little stressful. It involved quite a few COVID tests. Um, but yeah, I think, and then I think on the social justice aspect is that I think there's just for me like it's surrounding myself by people who don't have similar experiences by me and like a being willing to do the the work on my own because it shouldn't be anyone else's responsibility to educate and call me out on it. Um, but also having people that I do have the relationship with that when they, when they are in a place where they're willing to or able to, that will say like, Hey, that's not cool. Or like, Hey, don't. And I think just being willing to like accept that apologize and like grow um, has been. And I think with what we were talking about with, with a lot of the issues that we've, we've seen and that are coming to light, um, it's just, and that, and it's just being willing to like learn and grow. Learn. And that was something I really have loved for me, like living in Detroit, like living in a, my, my church community, my school community, like everyone has had very different life experiences. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's been really cool to. One thing I want to do, I want to shift a little bit and bring Dylan Hansen, who's our director in, and he's way closer to y'all's age than I am. He And he's like 10 years behind both of y'all kind of. In this, in this. So you're saying you're old. I'm saying I'm old. I am old. No, never. <laughs> you're only as old as you feel, and I feel old. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, Dylan, you've been listening yeah. to this, and you were right. You're raised here. You're at school at CSU. Yeah. What's your, I mean? Give me your thoughts on what you're hearing. You know, as somebody who's ten years behind. This. Yeah. Um. Well, first off, COVID seemed like it's like forever now. Like I can't remember a time before COVID. I really can't. I've aged twenty years in the past year. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um. But surprisingly, I think I've gotten off my computer and like out doing stuff more um and like what you said trying to find a hobby i didn't have a hobby i didn't realize it i was like i was just like yeah. hanging out with friends or like i was on my computer You're doing like something <laughs> yeah exactly like i didn't have an actual hobby but i feel like now um especially starting at wrbl i've been able to do a lot more stuff um and i think watching being a part of the community has been like a huge thing because um i got to take part in one of the like one of the marches or like that we did um downtown and like that was like like, you don't realize how close of, like, a community we are until, like, everyone's out there. And this was, like, towards the start of COVID. Like, everyone was out here risking getting COVID because, like, we needed, like, like social reform and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I think, I think overall, um, while it has seemed like a, like a very long time, I think it's been a good growth experience for everyone. Yep. Like, not just, like, myself, but, like, I think everyone, like, I think has kind of, like, I feel like a lot of people's social skills have gotten a lot worse. Mine definitely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or just like your tall, yeah, like your tolerance too. Tolerance. Like I, yeah. I'm just I used to be like, like being alone gave me so much anxiety, and now I'm like, okay, I did like three hour of people time today. Like, let me just lay on the couch for a minute and like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, and and I knew your perspective would be interesting because he sits here and listens to me ramble every I enjoy it night. Uh, but he he also I think picks up on things that I don't and it's a generational thing mm -hmm. and one thing kind of talking to the two of y'all but also with Dylan I, I kind of in the young people that I'm fortunate enough to see here at WRBL and at, in other parts of this community I think the new leadership is going to be 
just fine. The problem in Columbus is the old leadership doesn't want to go as quickly as that's a national. That's yes. That's happening. yeah. That's not just a <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. One of the things that I do at the end of this, and we've almost been here an hour, is I kind of turn the tables. And I call it turn the tables, and this ought to be fascinating. I mean, I've been asked why. I give you a chance to ask me a question. Mm-hmm. I've been asked why I didn't become a lawyer. Uh, I've been asked my favorite hip-hop artist, which Dylan just sat there. Saved and like, your, you. What was your answer? Uh, I confused Dr. Said Drake. Dre and Drake. I, yeah. I, I was forming a <laughs> it was, hybrid. Oh, it was bad. <laughs> I tried to say Drake to, like, cover up for him, just that way, like, both answers were, like, a good answer, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what do you say? Even I can't think of that like, off the top of my head. Yeah, it was like, I mean, I should have said Cowboy Troy, and I would have gotten out I of it. I mean, that's the closest that you, I think you could get. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll start, I'll start with you, Carmen. I mean, what? this ought to be fun. Why am I your favorite daughter? No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, wait, what is, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Love you, Joy Beth. Um, what? So I'm you? asking you a question? Yeah. Um... What is, so I feel like you've been in Columbus for a long time and like you've seen Columbus really change and I feel like you've changed along with Columbus, like you've lived in different parts. Um, how, what do you feel like the biggest change and like most productive change in Columbus has been in the past like 10 years and then what would you like to see in the future? Like how would you like to see it shift more? I think Columbus has, I think downtown's the most productive change. I mean, yeah. it's clear. I mean, when I started to work at the Columbus Ledger Inquirer in, 19, in June of 1989, we used to literally go out into the middle of the median and throw footballs and baseballs and hit <laughs> golf balls down Broadway. And you didn't have to worry about hitting anything. I mean, you could literally <laughs> tee a golf ball up and hit it down the middle of Broadway. I know exactly and, who was in that group, too. <laughs> I can, yeah. like, picture it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, so downtown has clearly changed. And I think downtown will continue to change with the ev- with the evolution of uh, – with the evolution of the hotels. And I think you're going to see a lot of people do post-COVID travel. And I think a lot of those are going to be car trips. And I think if you draw a five-hour radius around us, there are an awful lot of people from Nashville to Orlando to even New Orleans, if you go six hours, Atlanta. I think you're going to have people looking to get away from their place to a new Mm -hmm. place. And there's a lot of things here to attract whitewater, that whitewater course, if you're into that thing, it's fantastic. Oh, I mean, it's so, awesome. yeah. so the zip line, I mean, there's things to do and they're fairly affordable when you stack them up price wise against the Disney World or something. Yeah. Some of the other, you know, higher dollar stuff. The, the one thing that's changed that probably hasn't been for the good is the loss of local ownership and control of a lot of things. Um, Tesis, no, yeah. Yeah, no longer controlled by people who yeah. put their heads on beds in Columbus, Georgia. Bill Hurd, Chevrolet, all the car dealerships were controlled. Carl Gregory, Jay Stutzen Mueller, Bill Hurd were all large car dealer empires that were controlled by people who put their heads on beds in Columbus or Phoenix City area. And, you know, in you know, there's a number of that. Some of the some of the law firms that have come in that have an out of town mm. control group. I mean, 
there's just been a lot of things that have dwindled local control of things. Synovus has remained locally controlled. Aflac, which is the shining star, as Synovus is a shining star. I mean, the way they've come out of their issues is an amazing story. Um, which, shout out to Aflac for sending all of my first graders my second year of teaching Aflac Ducks. Thanks for that. It was awesome. It was a fun day. (laughs) They were all just like squeezing their ducks all the time. Um, Okay, I'm going to ask you a question, and I hope you'll be as honest as possible. Somebody asked um, a a different panel I was in a few days ago, and it was, they asked me what was my best day and my worst day. But I want to hear both, but I'm really hoping, I think, um, from a mentor standpoint, we don't talk about our failures and our worst days enough. Uh, sorry, professionally. Um, and so I, I love, I loved hearing from other people like their bad days because we just don't talk about it, um, and it's just part of part of being a professional. So best day and worst day, professionally. You want my job. Uh, that's tough. That's tough. (laughs) Um, no, no, no. I I just want to think, I mean, my best day days have often come when I go home and know I did the best I could. There've been a number of those days, uh, over the years, both in the newspaper side and here. I mean, I will go home after telling the story, and that there's a feeling in it. I think the day I felt like I did probably the most important work that I will ever do in this town was four or five years ago when Bill Turner died, and with the help of Diamond Kendrick Holmes, we had written a you know five six thousand word obituary that in many ways was the history of the last half of the twentieth century of Columbus. That story was incredibly important to get right, but it was even more important to get in context. And we did between Diamond and I. And, you know, and Mr. Turner lived 94 years and had an amazing life and changed this community in ways people will never know. Some people will never know what he did to this community, did for this community. And to be able to tell that story that will be referred to years and years down the road when people go, okay, it'll be one of the, I mean, Mr. Turner's written books and other things, but this is one of the things that historians years from go, we'll, years from now, we'll look at that a bit. Worst days are now, you know, I'll be honest with you, some of the worst days are days that I have to cover some of these homicides. Mm-hmm. You know, people are killing people in this town. And they're killing people in Phoenix City. They're one away from having their reaching last year's homicide total. I mean, they've got eight. They had nine all of last year. Um, there have been 24, 25 in Columbus. I mean, those days are hard. The court hearings with those are hard. Because I covered one this morning. And, you know, and they're senseless. They're in, and they're things that, One I covered this morning was a domestic. You could put it over a number of things. Those are really hard days. Those are not fun days. Those are days that you sit back and go, you know, get it right, tell the story. But, you know, 
you'll have a day come like yesterday where you go to get to go interview Bo Bridges, and he loves Columbus. That so it, they're bridges to these stories. But the 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 older I get, the harder those stories are to tell, and they're probably more important. You know, and that I mean, I try to get them right. I, I think one thing I've always appreciated growing up as the child of two journalists and a public official, but I think. I think I learned like a the importance of local journalism and and having you know watchdog telling stories telling the importance of people's you know community and that kind of thing. But like, and even as a daughter of a local journalist, is like your ability to a like connect and tell like you got a guy for everything. Learned that during COVID. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> there's there's <laughs> but, some there's an expert for everything out there. But I also just think like your ability to like tell a story with like humanity and and that kind of thing and like but also be a great dad and i've been on the hard days like detached from we used to joke we'd be like okay daughter carmen is talking or like like source carmen is talking but yeah i think it just like i think you know having those those stories and being able to being a parent and now a grandparent those are the best days oh yeah those are the best days. It was the best day when your last wedding happened and you don't have to worry about those anymore. <laughs> that was a good day, too. Um, well, this has, been, this has been really good. I mean, y'all have, y'all have enlightened. This is what I'd hoped it would be, and I hope y'all feel that way, too. I really do. And I want to thank Carmen Williams, my daughter. Carmen Williams Piggins. i got to get the Piggins <laughs> part right. You'll always be Carmen Williams to me. Uh, and Becca Sajak, y'all, y'all have discuss this frankly and we've talked a little bit about i think there was some insight on why people leave and why they stay i hope there was so really appreciate the guest and now dylan we're going to go into the part that i always mess up okay we're ready okay we'll start we'll start with the push you can watch the chuck williams show streaming on wrbl.com every tuesday night at 7 eastern you can also watch the replay the next day on our website and i will send it out on wrbl's facebook page as well the link to it and coming soon make sure to subscribe to the podcast on apple spotify or audible where you can listen to this show on the go and you can also follow me on social media. You can catch me at Facebook at Chuck Williams, WRBL, on Instagram at Chuck Williams 0999, and my favorite, Twitter, which is simply at Chuck Williams. Thank you for listening to the show today, and I hope I hope you have found it entertaining and insightful. I certainly have. And as everybody as we kind of move forward, I want to tell everybody to be safe. But most of all, be kind because you don't know what the person you're dealing with, what, what's in their suitcase right now. So be kind. Have a great day. This is Chuck Williams, and you've been listening to The Chuck Williams Show.